Welcome to Conscious Physician Medicine and Psychedelics, where we give voice to experts and people in the community using psychedelics as medicine. I'm your host, Dr. Lita Fatemi. Thanks for being here. Here we are with Dr. Maggie Kang on our next episode of Conscious Physician Medicine and Psychedelics. I'm super excited to have her on. So we decided to do a an interview for Conscious Physician and Dr. King has a beautiful and very inspiring story that I wanted our listeners to connect with and take it away, Dr. King. Tell us about yourself and tell us how you got on this wonderful path and challenging one. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. So I'm Dr. Maggie Kang, and I guess the story basically started when that um, when my daughter was nine years old, and she's currently 15. And at nine, she was diagnosed with a rare disease, and it was a really life-altering event. Clearly, we were. I remember leading basically a normal life as you might refer to it, and she was healthy. We were on a ski trip, and then she just suddenly became sick, very nonspecific symptoms of nausea and vomiting and just not wanting to eat and sort of a lot of fatigue. So we had no idea what it was. And so we brought her to the ER and she had an MRI and of her brain. And because I'm a radiologist, I saw her images and we knew at that point that we were not dealing with something that was going to go away overnight. So that was the start of our long journey. Oh, and I'm a radiologist, so I feel like in that. Yeah, so <laughs> seeing, yeah, seeing the MRI myself, you know, in the middle of the Gosh, night. I can't imagine. I, I know. It was, I just, I really, I, I still feel that panic, that feeling of just frozen shock at seeing yeah. my daughter's images. So, yeah. And c- can I ask you what you saw in that moment? And then we're going to fast forward because, you know, we're not there anymore. Uh, right. You're in a whole different Space that's so much more beautiful. But I would love for the uh, listeners to know a little bit about your journey to how you got to this point. Sure. Did you want me to describe the images first? Is, yeah, the images. Yeah. Sure. What okay. did you see that was like, oh my gosh. So shocking, right? Well, typically all of our tests up till then were negative. So I was thinking that it was going to be negative and it wasn't. So there were a lot of very kind of large patchy areas of abnormal signal. Um, it's kind of hard to describe because most people probably don't know what an MRI looks like, but most of it is like different shades of gray. So her stuff was like a lot of like really white stuff on what we call, I guess, the fluid sensitive sequences. And so that indicates a lot of pathology of disease, which really at that point looked like it could be inflammatory, infectious, and maybe some very odd you know, lymphoma, but really this Mm -hmm. thing turned out to be inflammatory in nature. But one disease that I'd never even considered because it was a disease that I had only heard of in the adult population. And even in that case, it was so extremely rare. It never even occurred to me that my nine-year-old daughter could have it. Mm -hmm. So needless to say, all that happened and she was in the ICU and she couldn't, because her cranial nerves were involved in her brainstem, she wasn't able to speak or eat Um, And she had her right arm paralyzed and she at that point basically lost consciousness and she went into sort of a a coma-like state. And 
So that was that. She was there for about five weeks. We weren't sure how things were going to go, but she did get the diagnosis and we were able to intervene in time and she recovered, although it was a very long recovery. We did come home and she wasn't in school right away. Many, many weeks of like working to get out of the wheelchair and trying to pick up the lacrosse stick and trying to eat regular foods when she could get her swallowing mechanism back up to speed. And a lot of speech pathology to help her kind of enunciate and hold a pencil. It was just so much of the basics that we had to learn. It was very traumatic to go through that. Yeah. And with, with a child who was just fine. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I know. It just breaks my heart as a mom to see any mom seeing a child in pain. Of course, of course. And how is she doing now? Oh, so now, so she's 15, fast forward many years. She's great. I mean, has really turned this experience into something, I think, very powerful and positive. I mean, she wrote this book about her experience in the hospital. It's called My Hospital Story. She wrote it because she wanted to read a book about other teens or tweens having a similar experience in the hospital, but she couldn't find one. So she wanted to write the book that she needed to read. Because really, I think one of the most challenging pieces of all of this is loneliness. I think with the teen Mm. or young child, or even myself as a mother, just kind of going through something rare means just by definition that not a lot of other people are having that same experience. And it's so hard to connect with another person when you want to be understood and people obviously can't. So that was her way. And so she worked with her fifth grade teacher and got this book together. It was basically a series of her journal entries. And so she published it. And I think it's been really helpful. You know, they put it in a lot of children's hospitals and even a lot of adults through our foundation have really enjoyed reading her story. And it definitely resonates with adults just as much as it does with kids. Oh, that's so inspiring. That's so inspiring. So tell me your role as a mom, because, you know, Yes, our focus is always on our children and their well-being and that's our world, right? And yeah. then there's a point you don't really think about it when the kids are fine, right? And then something like this happens that is just completely out of the blue. What did you do for you to be able to get through such mm. a challenging time? Yeah, I'm well at First, if you saw my TEDx talk, you, you'll you know that I didn't manage it very well at first. <laughs> I think I went through a lot of the like very sort of typical ways maybe moms think about things. Like we, I think we take a lot of burden of responsibility upon ourselves that if we see that our kids are not thriving or struggling in any way, um, I, I think that maybe as moms we take on too much of that responsibility and I personally did. And I felt like somehow I had misoverlooked something and I didn't do my job quite right or else my, my kid would not be in the ICU on the verge of death, right? I mean, I was a physician. I was her mom. Why didn't I see this happening sooner? Why didn't I take her to the ER sooner? Why hadn't I entertained this particular diagnosis? And a lot of those things aren't necessarily rational, but I really struggled with that. And it was, I think, you know, as I referred to my TEDx, that it was my creation of suffering based on the pain that I was feeling because I was, I guess, to some extent, I was in a little bit of denial. I did not want to experience that pain. But 
when I learned some of the coaching principles to sort of move out of my suffering, um, some of the tools that I used were to really ask myself powerful questions like, here we are, you know, I can accept that this is happening now and that um, worrying about whether or not I could have done something better is, is not useful. It's just not serving our situation. How can I show up as a mom for now, my daughter? Like, what can I do? Who can I be to be a better mom to her and help her in her recovery? So I think that asking myself questions like that was very powerful because it sort of put my mind on a pathway to considering options. And in my view, those options became, you know, do I hire, you know, and I did, I hired a trauma therapist to help her get manage some of her emotions and try to help her transition to school. Because really, after we addressed the medical and the physical aspects of her health, like the mental piece was, and, you know, that ends up being its whole nother sort of world of support and therapy. And I guess I partly was not even anticipating that. When Nell first went to school, it was a very rocky transition. And I would get calls from her school saying I needed to get her early because she wasn't doing well. And this was very traumatic. So in those moments, I just said, well, what can I do to support her? And I ended up reaching out to a pediatrician friend. I even had my acupuncture friend also help her out too. And so Nell received acupuncture, which was really amazing because it turns out, so Nell has an autoimmune neurologic disease. So a lot of the acupuncture was very good at, I guess, sort of decompressing the stress and sort of that sympathetic drive that was creating a lot of the stress. And I don't know if that was all sort of mental and just normal in terms of stress of a kid transitioning out of hospital to the school environment after a long time, or if she had also some autonomic dysregulation that caused her to have like temperature, body temperature fluctuation and instability. And she's like very heat intolerant. She developed gastrointestinal sensitivities. And then of course, just like the overriding stressors of going back to school. So to what extent was that mental or related to neuro neurologic disease? I don't know. Yeah, but yeah, the yeah. acupuncture really helped her. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. You know, it's very recently I also got into acupuncture and some energy work and through a doctor of oriental medicine that we have in the community. And she's just amazing. You know, yeah. the work, I mean, it's amazing. And being open to it and yes. saying, you know what, there are other modalities, even if you are a physician and you're so set in the ways of the molecular things and this equals yeah. that. <laughs> we got to get out of that a little bit. It's good knowledge to have, right? Right. And, and yeah, that helps some, but it's not everything. That there's a much bigger part of us, you know, as as beings of yes. energetic beings. That if you have blockages, like how can we utilize ancient ways? These are ancient yes. modalities, right? That yes. obviously work. Obviously, yes. have worked for millennia. And right. we're like, no, like, you know, right. medicine, if it doesn't look like this, it doesn't, you know, it's, right. it's just, you know, they, we tend to be very myopic about, you know, approaching wellness and well-being. And we don't even talk about it in medical school. Well-being is not right. even, pathology is always the yeah. thing. 
that I mean, we talk I, about. I hope that's changing because I, well, I do too. Huge, it's huge yes! Yes! of, you know, the quality of the lives that we have. I know, I know yes. as, as a physician trained, obviously in Western medicine, I did feel the same way. Like I needed to have the research evidence as to like, is this really worthwhile? Should I spend the money on this? But I did get to this point where I felt like we had exhausted everything that Western medicine could offer. And it was amazing. And, but beyond that, it seemed like her daily quality of life was really the thing that was in question and her management Mm -hmm. of fatigue and stress as it was related to, you know, going to the hospital for her treatment and just living a life that was very different from her peers. I think these are things that really came into play as she grew into her teen years because now she's in ninth grade. And so there are different social challenges and developmental challenges that happen. So it has been sort of like a unique experience every year. So I'm very glad that I have alternative therapies to turn to like acupuncture and even, you know, like coaching and just really considering the well-being piece of our health. So I, we focus on it heavily. Beautiful, beautiful. And I love that you tap into the autonomic nervous system and the sympathetic and the parasympathetic. And, you know, we know even like simple things that are super accessible, but we just don't talk about such as breathing, nose breathing makes a humongous difference in our equilibrium. Right. And, and it's, um, so tell me this, you know, given given her being an adolescent right now, um, do you see a lot of resistance from her mm. when you are talking about these things as a as a guide, as a mom mm-hmm. doctor guide, <laughs> or <laughs> or is it that you know this experience has made her more malleable and flexible and open? Mm. That's such a great question. I would say for my daughter, she's open to anything that will help her. And I think it's because she knows that she's exhausted all of, you know, Western therapies. Like for instance, she sometimes gets this numbness and tingling in her legs when that's like a sign of her fatigue. And it, it was pretty bad when she was discharged from the hospital. So they put her on gabapentin, but of course gabapentin had side effects and it wasn't actually even that effective. So we ended up taking her off of that and did other kind of alternative therapies like the acupuncture and even just like massage or taking a bath or just taking it easy that day, just different ways of kind of ma- managing it. And even like the concept of the parasympathetic and sympathetic was very helpful here too because my friend who's an acupuncturist showed me like how if you massage the posterior of the back of the calf like from the back of the knee all the way down to the ankle that that somehow activates the parasympathetics and so I do that for her at night when she's finding that pain and it does soothe her so to answer your question yes she's open but I think it's because she's gotten to a point where she's like so desperate that she wants to feel good and be relieve her symptoms that she's willing to try anything. Now I'll mm-hmm. contrast that with my son who is, you know, healthy. And whenever I bring these concepts to him or even coaching or, you know, acupuncture or some of the alternative therapies, he's always like, what is the scientific data behind that? Like, don't do anything weird to me until I have an understanding of what this is. And it is because of course, He's not really so uh, desperate to relieve any particular symptom. He's very healthy. But of course, that's still wise to ask questions. And so um, he's definitely come around 
because he's had some sports related injuries and he's had, you know, a lot of just stress through his years and being in high school. And a lot of these little therapies that he sort of sees that I do with now, I've done a little bit with him and he has found them to be helpful. And the great thing about it is that there are no side effects and there's really no I, I risk in doing it. I mean, unless you're paying an astronomical fee for it, which of course they're not. So I think that he's generally come on board with it. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. And it's so interesting you bring up, you know, the contrast between the kids. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, what I what what we always talk about is how our challenges and the pain is the entryway yeah. into getting to know ourselves. And Nell at this moment in time, she knows herself better than majority of adults. She knows when it is that she'll start feeling this particular way and what it means in her body. She's more embodied than, you don't know, like so many of my clients, majority of them, you know, they're burnt out, depressed, they have PTSD, you know, all of these mm. things that they, the traumas that they've carried with themselves, but it's part of it is because they've never examined themselves they've never mm -hmm. sat with themselves and said oh where is this coming from why mm -hmm. how am I even feeling in this moment right yeah. how is my body feeling in this moment and time in this space and to have that wisdom at such a young age yeah. is only you know gonna serve her in the long term and that's so beautiful to have and challenging but she is more mature then you know so ahead of her years in and that's way. where we can serve right that's how that's where we can yeah. and she's already doing it through her book and the work that you're doing with her with the foundation tell us a little bit about the foundation yes okay so we are both the ambassadors to the Samira foundation it's for NMOSD and MOGAD they're kind of similar autoimmune rare neurologic diseases and Nell was actually the first junior ambassador. And funny, Sumaira found her either on, oh no, she saw Nell on the news when Nell's book was published. And so she reached out to her on Instagram. So that's just, you know, a little plug for social media because that this is new to me. I'm actually on social media now, but I see the power of it. And when Nell joined the foundation, I too came on board to support her. But I've really been enjoying our work there. We both speak on panels and we've been, we spoke in the summer at UCLA and are planning to go to the New England event in Boston to speak there and basically share our story and to, I guess, I personally t um, share my story and give my thoughts on caregiving. And Nell talks about her experience as a pediatric patient with the disease. So I, it's been wonderful to be able to do something good and to be part of a community that of amazing people trying to make lives better for the rare community. That's amazing. And do you feel a lot more bonded because of these yeah. activities? That, oh yeah. Such a beautiful oh, yeah. cause. And... Yeah. So we get to spend a lot of time traveling together and talking about our events. Yes. Nell's actually, she's even done more. She's gone. Um, done some artwork actually that's interesting she shifted from becoming a competitive lacrosse player into becoming an artist which is just that also is amazing because I don't know that she would have discovered that aspect of herself had this not happened 
And so she created this beautiful sculpture of an elephant. And she called it the elephant in the room, referring to the idea that, you know, people don't want to talk about rare disease because it can be uncomfortable. And so she presented it and she was awarded a, a rare artist award at last year's event in Washington, D.C. for it was called for Rare Disease Week. So that's a legislative advocacy opportunity that she and I both participate in every year. That's incredible. That's incredible. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, how beautiful to find the beauty in something that was so difficult to go through yeah. and continues to be, you know, like, yes, it's, it's there. So you have to pay attention to it, but to make it into such a beautiful space, such a container so lovingly and you being by her side and giving her that support. And I'm sure it's really nice that she's open to you. So yeah. there's that connection that feeds you too. It does. Yeah. I, I, we definitely try to focus on that. Not so much, you know, the challenging pieces of, you know, the month to month yeah. medication and ordering it and dealing with insurance and all that. That of course is also a reality of rare disease. However, I do really enjoy these times that she and I can collaborate on projects and really see how we can impact the world. It's amazing. It's amazing. And you are, if I'm remember correctly, you have a book coming out, correct? Not right now. Not not anytime soon, but yes, eventually. <laughs> oh, is that what you're okay? What when is I your latest what is your latest project. uh project? Yes. Right. Okay. This is a um this is a little departure from the rare disease world, but the connection is coaching. So what I, as you just alluded to, Nell and I have evolved a very close and mutually respectful relationship for both of what we do. And I feel like now I'm evolving that same relationship with my older teen who, you know, he doesn't have a rare disease, but he's going, you know, he has his own sort of, you know, own challenges of being a teenager. And now he's a senior and he's applying to colleges. And I've really been engaging with him a lot in terms of like, where do you want to go? Going on trips to see colleges and talking about, you know, essays that he's writing and things that he's thinking about and things that he cares about in the world. And so that is all to say that it, that too has also been stressful, just thinking about the whole college process. But what I've done, and I guess this is what I did previously with Nell without even realizing, it's like when I have a problem in my life, I find a way to solve it. And when I do... I end up wanting to try to share it with other people who might be struggling with a similar struggle. So in the case of my son and the senior and being a senior and going through this major growth transition and managing stressful things like college applications, I have created this course and it's basically focused, like taking the energy out of the stress of college and putting it on your your teen's mental growth, like supporting them in their mental growth spurt. This is what I've come to realize is that, you know, they've all got their physical growth spurts. They're all huge, right? Senior year. But I think now they're going through a major mental growth spurt. And I really observed this in my own kid through the summer and to now and probably to the end of this school year. And it's so exciting. But at the same time, there are so many challenges and I really have loved supporting him and really engaging with him and knowing him in this process. Oh, that's amazing. You know, in a couple of years, I'm going to be there. So I have a 10th grader right now nice. who is, you know, thinking about it. And, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's in the back of her mind. But 
We try not to stress her out, mm. of course, mm-hmm. but it's a whole different realm when you're dealing with, I love how you explained that, that mental growth that happens. We talk yeah. about the physical growth, you know, and we pay attention to that. But what's happening with the rest of the being, right? Yes. Um, yes. It is so cool. And you know, so, yes, I'll be checking you out. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I mean, I feel like this is something whenever I tell people about, I, it seems like it's a new sort of spin or way to look at college life or college application process and being a senior. Because it seems like immediately when you say those words, people are like, oh, so stressful. How's it going? And I'm like, you know, it is stressful, you know, but you can choose to focus on that or you can choose to focus on supporting them in their mental growth spurt. That I really just think it is a growth spurt. That's something that I've come upon. But just if you want to just say mental growth, that's fine too. Mental growth spurt. I like the yeah. spurt because it spurt. is. It is. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I've loved seeing my teen kind of become himself this year. It's like, and I don't know what it is with boys. Like I noticed my daughter, she, her developmental trajectory has been very different and slightly because she's had very unique challenges. But you know, my son is like, he doesn't share too much with me. He does a lot of sports. He goes to school. He's just busy. He's on his phone. And I don't know that I've like really engaged with him in a way that I have this year, which has been really spectacular because Part of me, and I think a lot of moms at this stage too, feel like, wow, our kids are going to be, you know, in college next year. Will I see him? Like, what's happening? And there's this feeling of both excitement and loss, you know, fear and worry and joy and hope. There's just like everything really. And I think what it really comes down to is that we all just want to be connected to our kids. We just want to know them and support them in the best way that we can. And I know that unintentionally maybe as parents and just our world the way it is, we do kind of stress out our kids and college tends to be very fraught with that high anxiety, where will I get in kind of fears, but I don't think it has to be that way. I think we can change it. Let's start a revolution. (laughs) I love it. Let's start a revolution. Revolution. This is how it starts. And you're doing your TED Talks and you're doing, you know, I mean, you're doing it. (laughs) Well, that's it's incredible. My hope. Yeah, yeah. No, it's incredible how you turn around all these challenges and you're like, you know what? I'm going to turn around. I'm going to learn about it in my own way and present it in a unique way that I can only present it to the world, you know? Yeah. And so many people can benefit from it. Um, what I also find fascinating is that um, what I usually see in families when they have a child with difficulties all their attention and energy goes to that child. And so the other Mm -hmm. children Mm -hmm. get completely ignored and they feel that they're raising themselves or they feel Mm -hmm. disconnected with their families. Mm -hmm. And later on in life, that definitely shows itself. Mm -hmm. Um, And a lot of my clients end up coming to me because they haven't had Mm. those moments of connection with family, with mom, with dad, and mm. so I would love to hear your experience in that mm. regard. And I'm sure there was a time that it was just too much to just you know do it all. But yeah, tell us. Yes. So I think this is a very real question and phenomenon that definitely happens. And it's funny because I'm we're trying to address it more in the foundation where we're trying to do more like sibling kind of 
um, groups to share their experiences. But in our particular family, at first it was very unbalanced. And I very, I worried a lot about Jake, who's Nell's older brother, by two years when we were so focused on Nell. But we, by the support of our community, we have a lot of friends. My sister was in town at that point, and they really stepped up to kind of be the buffer layer, if you will. And they came and took him to sports practices. They, one of the one of the families, they were so amazing. Jake had to, he had to go to this lacrosse tournament, and it was way out of town. It was like you know two three hours north of us, and there was no way that we could take him. And this was during actually COVID when Nell got sick again, and so. They, they came to pick up Jake and they all wore masks in the car and all four windows were down in their truck. And it was very cold. I think this, it was still kind of like March, April. And they did that for him. So it's, wow. I think it's, you know, like your friends and your community and extended family, everyone steps up. Also, I would have to say for or in our case, Jake is also very flexible. Like I think if he had a different personality, it probably would have been more challenging and we would have still managed, but he is actually very flexible. And what's interesting is that when I started talking to him and asking him about a sad experience, because there are a lot of questions that you ask your kids, like when they're going through their whole college experience, you know, like what kind of college do you want? Like, what do you think about yourself in a big or small school? Or, and then when he's actually going to sit down and write his college essays, you know, we talk about a lot of his past experiences. And one of the questions I asked him was, you know, what's, you know, like a really sad experience that you've had that you've learned from. And he immediately recounted the time when he was alone and he was 11 at the time when Nell was first in the ICU. And I just remember feeling like this was the first time we were actually exploring emotion and reflecting on the time that was so difficult. And although I had asked him that like in the past, his answer was just, oh, I'm fine. Oh yeah, someone's not picking me up. I'm good. Yeah, I, I ate lunch. You know, that that was the extent of yeah. our conversations. And I don't know that maybe at that particular age that a kid wants to really engage in his emotions. I don't know. But it wasn't until years later when he's basically 17 that we were able to kind of get into it. And it was amazing. Yeah. All the things that he was recounting, the details that my sister came over and brought him his mint chocolate chip ice cream from Baskin Robbins that, oh. you know, he was studying for midterms with her and she was quizzing him and all this while, you know, Scott and I were at the hospital with Nell. So this is what I mean about the value of like really engaging with your teen at this point in their lives. Cause I do think in their final year of high school, maybe because they know they're going away to college or because this is just where they are emotionally or because they have to write the college essay. They're very much more introspective, I think. And so I was really able to get into some fantastic conversations with him. So specifically, I probably did not mention this originally in the course that I'm creating actually was to leverage the college essay specifically to use that as an opportunity to really engage because it's a time where they have buy-in and they're a little bit stressed and feeling vulnerable about the process. But this is, of course, not to write the essay for them or to tell them how to write one or make them choose a topic that you want. It's totally about the kid. It's just about how we ask questions and help them to really dig in and share their own personal insights on things that have happened. 
And I learned a lot of things about him that I would have never. And it's not to say that he didn't want to share them with me. They just don't come up in day-to-day conversations, right? Totally, totally, totally. There's so many things that I have to ask you, specifically three things. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) One, I love that you mentioned the power of community Mm. with heartfelt connections where Mm. they step up when challenges come about. There's in fact a study called the Rosetta study that that is based in Pennsylvania done by Mm. a cardiologist. It was a longitudinal 50-year study where they looked at the social social solidarity in this Italian immigrant community in Rosetto, it's Rosetto, I believe, Rosetto, Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. This is in the 1950s. Um, that decreased overall mortality by 35% mm. and cardiovascular mortality by 35%. Wow. And guess what? They were eating all the carbs, all the pasta, <laughs> all the meat with fat, all the fat, all the meat. They were smoking like chimneys and they were drinking all the time together. And what he found, this cardiologist found was like, oh my gosh, this community has a very low mortality, all cause mortality mm. and cardiac mortality. And so he studied them compared mm. to the rest of America. Um, who were given all kinds of guidelines of, you know, eating a low fat diet and, you know, mm. not smoking mm. and not drinking. They were doing all the bad things. And here we are, they had uh, much better health and well-being. And um, they concluded at the end of the 50 years is that the social solidarity and also mm. each person had about 12 people that they could pick up the phone and call up and say, mm. hey, I'm in trouble, like I need help. And they could do that with 12 people in the community. And as the kids grew up and left for college, Mm -hmm. then we saw, and the elders started dying. This is a Mm multi-generational situation community. As that happened, their mortality, all-cause mortality and cardiovascular mortality increased to the levels of Americans. (gasps) Oh my gosh, that's very powerful. I know, oh my goodness, which, which makes like the statistics coming out of the current college campuses even more worrisome. I mean, one of the things that I've been reading a lot about is just how kids are doing in colleges now. And it seems like there are epidemic proportions of loneliness and depression, anxiety, and this sort of absence of community and real connection that's happening. So that was another reason why I kind of wanted to create this course to like really zero in on the importance of connection and community. 100%. So. Wow, yeah. that, that's, a, that, that's a very compelling research study. It's very compelling. It's it's in my book. I'm like, this mm. is a landmark article that we have mm. not looked at. Mm. And now I'm like bringing it in. I, I, right. I talk about it everywhere because it's, and look it up at the Rosetta I will. Effect. I will. It, it actually sounds familiar. It yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it might have been, you know, in passing, there's a PBS special on it that they, you mm-hmm. know, aired many years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the power of community and, you know, that's what I keep bringing in for my 10 year old or 10th grader mm-hmm. is, you know, in school, be as involved as you can be, mm-hmm. engage with interests and through your interests, then you can engage with that particular Mm -hmm. community of kids. Mm -hmm. One thing that was, you know, really life-changing for us was, you know, she was feeling very lonely. Um, I believe it was in ninth grade and 
um, she just mentioned in passing, oh, you know, I played on drums and it was fun. And I was like, oh, what did you say? Did you like drums? And she, you know, she was depressed. I could tell like from mm-hmm. where she was, but she didn't want to share all the things that I understand. Mm-hmm. And we give her the space that she needs. But at the same time, you're like, we got to engage you back. You know, whatever. Mm-hmm. how are we going to inspire them back into wanting to do things? And so she got involved mm-hmm. in playing drums in the school of rock that we have locally and nice. um, she's drumming and singing and that community of kids are just awesome and the instructors yeah they're, they're, they, they coach them you know and it is a huge part of her well-being um mm. but you know college is a whole different ball game right they're leaving yes. home yes. they're and at the same time talking about these things and at the same time holding them as they're going through it it's not like you know, you're out of sight and out of mind. No, right. you're out of sight, but let's keep the connection going and making mm-hmm. sure that um, there's check-ins and, and teaching them now, right? Yes. Like, these are the tools and you can use them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm fascinated to know about your course when, when it's ready yes. to go, Maggie, and, yes. and, and utilize cool. it from my own like Yes. Oh, yes. Yes. I mean, I it's very soon to launch. And I guess just get on my email list, maybe. That's probably the best way I'm going to notify on, on my website. Yes. MaggieKangMD.com. Okay. <laughs> so website. it's MaggieKangMD.com. That's how people can reach you. Yeah, that's on my website. Yep. www. Awesome. Mm-hmm. awesome. And then you have a, is it a newsletter that people sign up for? Or? Yeah. Yeah. So the PDF right now I have um, available. If you sign up, you will get this free PDF. It's called narrative. Basically it would be, if you don't want to go on the website, you just go on www.maggiekangmd.com forward slash narrative. And you can just sign up for the email right now. And I do plan to do monthly newsletters, which I will start soon. And in that, I will announce the launching of the course. So the course is called Bypass Stress, Leverage the College Essay to Connect with Your Teen. And so I think it's going to be really exciting to see the impact. It's exciting. Absolutely. And how do you, um, is it a multi-day course? Is it a one-day course? Like, what Mm. are you envisioning yeah I'm giving it a couple of options on my website you could buy it just as a standalone or you could do it as um, a small group or as a one-on-one so the small groups are obviously dates that I'm going to have to put out and it will just be first come first serve to like fill up the small groups that I want and that the purpose of that will be just to have community sharing ideas with other moms who are going through similar experience And the one-on-one would be just, you know, four months, just one-on-one work with me on really any topic and however way it relates to you and your relationship with your teen or not really. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the other option would be the standalone course, which I think is also useful if you don't really want to engage in the coaching. But if you get the standalone course and then you change your mind in the future, then that money would get folded into the courses. I mean, the coaching oh. program. So it's not like you'd have to pay extra for the course. Extra. I see, I see, I see. That's awesome. That's awesome. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much for bringing these beautiful gems forward to, to our community, Maggie. This thank wonderful. you. Thank yeah. you for listening yeah, and yeah, being cool. excited. I love it. <gasps> so excited. 
so excited. I mean, this is an area like, you know, there are days, there have been days where I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't know what to do. Like, you know, know, with my teen and you feel, you're like, gosh, like I wish it would just open up or, you know, and sometimes they will and sometimes Sometimes they won't. And having someone like you who've gone, who's gone through so much already with your kids, um, and you have such beautiful insights and have done the work um, to be able to utilize your wisdom is everything. It just puts you ahead of the game just that much quicker. And it's, you know, and, and we all want that before they, like, they leave the house. Let's let's connect. Right. <laughs> right. Know? I know, right. And of course, that's not to say I have all the answers all the time. I think still every day, every year, there could be something new and that's okay. It, that's just kind of the way it is, right? But yeah. being a mom, it has challenges, but it has such tremendous rewards, as we all know. And I think it, we really want to just kind of embrace more of the rewards and yeah. offer those yeah. gifts to our kids before they leave. Yay. Yeah. Yay. I love I it. Know. I love I it. I love it. And I'm actually excited to see what you come up with when he is in college. Oh, I know. That's yes. That's my next group. I'm I'm talking to a lot of moms who have kids in college. Thank you for mentioning that. I think they have so much wisdom. And I always like to talk to moms who are like a couple years ahead of me with their kids, just so I know. But this is also the reason why I know a lot of kids are struggling on college campuses. And it does concern Mm -hmm. me. It breaks my heart to hear that, you know, kids work Mm -hmm. so hard in Mm -hmm. high school and then to finally get to college and have it be just a horrible experience. I don't know. It just yeah, breaks my yeah, heart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and I think you hit it on, you know, where it needs to be hit is is the lack of community. And after COVID, communities yeah. just got, right, separated, dispersed, yeah. isolated. Yeah. And we're having, we're still having a hard time coming mm-hmm. back to mm-hmm. and connecting. And um, yeah, it's it takes all of us to really it get does. ourselves to that point of yes. integration back into a community. Um, yes. I yeah. totally agree with you. In fact, that was sort of where the idea of the small group moms meeting up regularly came up from because I felt like there was so much, we, uh, like we all share so many of the same sort of worries and anxieties about our teens and like, why can't we just come together and support each other and just be open. Like nobody needs to pretend everything is perfect because it's not. And it's fine. Right. Yeah. What can we do to support our teens and what can we do to support each other? So I really wanted to bring more of that into the program. I love that. I love that. And so that's where you have the group arm, which is awesome. That's a yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Super excited for all of it. For you and for us too. uh, You providing this. I will be sure to sign up for your uh, email list so that we can keep the contact going and I'll know when to sign up. (laughs) Excellent. Awesome. Of course. Of course. Well, thank you so much for being here with us, Dr. Kang. It was lovely hearing your story and it's, so heartfelt and so real it it really speaks to you know it's a heartfelt connection that is being spoken to so thank you for for your authenticity thank you thank you for having me it's always a pleasure to talk to you yeah yeah same (laughs) one two three